the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A quick look at history, and we would think that the church has its ups and downs, and indeed it does. So what is the future of the church? Let's talk about that today on Truth For Today. From Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, hi there, and welcome to the broadcast. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, who takes us back to our series, Why Church? Today, we answer the question, what is the future of the church from a temporal perspective? We find ourselves in John chapter 17, and it's there that we get a glimpse into God's heart for the church. And as we'll see today, there is a glorious ending for the church, and even though it may seem like it languishes from time to time, It is still Christ's church, and it will end up triumphant, temporally speaking. With more, here's Pastor Phil Howard in today's broadcast. What is the future of the church? There's two sides to the uh, question. Uh, What is the future of the temporal church, the church on the earth, the church in its present pilgrimage, struggles, hard times, in revival, not in revival. What do you do when the church isn't in a good season? In season, out of season. Never forget Paul Crandall saying, Pastor, uh, what do we do when there's not revival? He said, it sounds to me like you do the same things you're supposed to do in revival. Be faithful, pray, preach the word, stand for the truth. But there are seasons when many are saved, many are moved, many are changed. And there's many a church, you know, just barely hanging on, in decline, hard times, not good. Uh, Whatever the condition of the field, whatever, it's not the same everywhere. And so let's look at this question. What is the future of the church? First of all, by considering the temporal aspect of of the church. And uh, turn with me to John 17, where Jesus, in his high priestly prayer for the church before he's crucified, he anticipates leaving and uh, he begins a intercessory prayer for the church. It, John 17 is a magnificent uh, chapter in the Bible. Uh, Dwight Pentecost studied this chapter every week of his life. He he never got away from John 17 and his great message. Listen to what he says. He's praying for us. I'll pick up at verse 10. All mine are yours and yours are mine. I am glorified in them and I am no longer in the world. But they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. The song, he will hold you fast. 
He prayed for you 2,000 years ago. Keep not only these disciples, but he goes on to say, those who would believe. Keep them in your name. Which you have given me that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name. Which you have given me, I have guarded them or protected them. And not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. He was a devil, it says, from the beginning. Was never born again. But now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So Christ prays for his church and says, in essence, I'm going to be absent physically for nearly 2,000 years. And it may be longer if he chooses. But for nearly 2,000 years, God's church has followed him with an invisible Christ a non-physical presence. We pray for his presence. We pray for him to be evident. But there's no physical Christ. I hear people say, I saw Christ. Uh, they may have in their mind, but to say a physical Christ that you can lay your hands on, we've not been given that privilege now for 2,000 years. But I pray for them. And what do you think we need the Jesus, when you prayed for us, listen to what he says. Keep your people, protect them, give them joy while in the world. It's amazing how many joyless Christians there are. Uh, it, it's amazing how life can sap you of the joy you had. You remember what David said? Renew unto me, restore to me the joy I once had before I fell into sin. Renew a right spirit in me. It's amazing how many cranky Christians there are. Uh, even to find a joyful Christian, uh, I was taken aback just recently as my wife was talking. And, uh, you know, when you've been in the church for years, uh, most of our lives, she was saying, uh, maybe I got a different brand of new birth. And I said, and how's that? She said, I have always been happy since I put Jesus in my life. I've always had joy. I watched my folks divorce. I watched alcohol destroy our home. I watched my brother go into this and that. But she said, I always just thought knowing Jesus would make you happy. And, and I was attracted because of the uh, smile and the radiance in her countenance as a young woman. Christ was real. Christ was wonderful. It, it was not a sob story being a Christian. It was the greatest thing that ever happened. Knowing Christ. Knowing my sins are forgiven. Knowing all is well with my soul. Is that still true of you? Have you kept your joy? Or has your outlook been, you're now negative. All of us fight with that. Are you negative? All the times are bad. The church is bad. And you're messed up. Because your perspective, you've quit looking to Jesus, the author and finisher. He's still okay, isn't he? 
Some of you praying about that? I said, he's still okay. He's still Lord. He's still Lord. And here he's praying for it, that we'd have joy in his absence. Joy on the journey. So, he's praying for his way back there. You go to 2 Timothy. Turn, break in your Bible if you would. Turn to 2 Timothy. And look at what chapter 3 says. When he's warning Timothy of the hardships of his day and into our day. And he said uh, in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed. Knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Then he goes on, all scripture is breathed out by God. All that's wonderful, but I want to read 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life will live in a brand new house, have a brand new car, and will be loved by all the neighbors. No, if you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will be. And uh, you're in the most spoiling land you could ever live in. You could be a Christian here and meet above ground. You could be a Christian here and prosper. But I tell you, when the bamboo curtain came up and communism took over China, they killed their pastors, they incarcerated them, the church went underground, and despite all the persecution, by the time the bamboo curtain was let down, there was 50 million believers in China. Because you cannot snuff out the church by persecuting it. When you read the book of Acts... You see the history of what the church was like. They had heresies. They had persecutions. Their pastors were killed. James was killed in Jerusalem, the home church. Peter was killed. There was martyrdom. By the time you read Revelation, you had red-hot churches. You had cold churches. You had lukewarm churches. You had churches that were tolerating all kinds of sin. False doctrines taught by Balaam and the Nicolaitans. You had a mess on your hands. When you read the church epistles, you barely find, even in Ephesians, that great epistle... By the time he gets to chapter 4, he's telling them to stop lying to each other, stop bad speech, stop grieving the Spirit. In the Greek, it's a present imperative. Stop what you are doing. And this is less than 60 years after Pentecost. So the church has never seemed perfect altogether. It is a fluctuating thing. I mean, attendance can be in, can be down. Finances could be up, could be down. Spirituality could be great, or it could be a carnal church, just strife-ridden, confusion, party spirit. Oh, it can be nothing but a mess, the church. Because people like us attend it. And people like us ruin it. Or were the kinds of people God can maintain unity, can manifest His Son by the fruit of the Spirit, and manifest His... It's, it's, it could be so many things. It, it's, and so what is the future of the church? 
What's the future of this church? It scares me when I read and when I go to Asia Minor, as I've been in Turkey before, and I've been, that none of the seven churches exist. Valley won't exist any longer than what the will of God wants. Uh, this is not where the kingdom is going to be set up. Uh, the, the, this church is no better than the hand of God on us. And if you don't like this church, you can ruin it. But beware if you ruin it. Because if you intentionally ruin it, 1 Corinthians 3.17, God will destroy you. Beware of those who destroy the temple of God. And he's talking plural, the, the temple, not your body. He's talking about the local church. Or else God will destroy you. Scary thing. If you want to get in trouble, mess with what Christ died to buy. The church belongs to him. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to the elders. It doesn't belong to any of you. It belongs to the one that died. And if you don't like this one, find another one. But you might ruin it too. Because we always take us. There's some people, whatever church they go to, there's confusion. And they haven't got the clue. They're the one that brings it. You, what are we? Are we unity builders? Are we spirit-filled people? Is the joy of Jesus shown in us so that it whets the appetite of the teenager? Says, I want what they've got. I see Christ in them. Well, this temporal journey, listen, we'll we'll just take this final reading. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. And this is enough to depress any of us and say, who wants the pastor? Well, let's just tell the truth, okay? Let's just look at it. But understand this, that in the last days, all churches will boom and there will be no problems. And there will come times of difficulty. And that, this is a tame, like terrible times, perilous times. Who will it come to? In the last days of what? The last days of the church? The last days the last days, by the way, started in Second Timothy. It started in First John. John said it's the last kind of hour. You mean it's been the last kind of hour for 1,900 years? Yep. It's amazing. 1,900 years of bad hour. Because with God, a day can be a 1,000 years. <laughs> he sees time so different. But watch what he says. For people will be lovers of self. Now, now, why is this perilous? Some scholars say it's always been in the culture, but now it will come into the church. Some take it that's what the peril is about. That what ordinarily men always love themselves. Ever since the Garden of Eden, we've been fighting with God about who's going to be God. We said, I want to be God. I only vote for me. God said, I'm God. And said, oh no, I'm God. I, I took the fruit. He said, well, you're sure dying fast, God. He said, well, I told you, if you're God, you're going to die. And we've been dying. But we still insist on being God, don't we? I'm in charge. I'm running my life. Nobody, nobody tell me what to do. I, I'm somebody. Oh, yes, you are. You're a mess. You're without Christ. You're without hope. You need a Savior. You need the true and living God. Now watch. Maybe this is church or just society, but it's bad any way you look at it. For people will be lovers of self. 
It's amazing how much money you can spend to look good. And some of you, it's not working. It's going to take a glorified body to catch up with you. But you spend thousands to look because you love self. Who I am, who that made for me. No, it was, it was made for the retailer. Lovers of money. You don't know anyone like that, do you? Our offerings are down. Is it because of you? Are you a giver in this church? If you are a claim to belong to this church and don't give, you're robbing God. You're robbing God. No believer should be a tight-fisted person. Right? I've had so many black pastor friends of mine. They said, we have to work on another job because our congregation won't support us. They told me that. They said, we work double jobs. We still preach. We still pastor. But they just won't pay us. Pitiful. It's wrong. It's wrong. Who's ever told them they shouldn't help support a local church and a local pastor? Do we need pastors? And I'm not whining. I'm treated. I'm ashamed at how good I'm treated compared to what many finer men than me are, are doing without Thank God for them. If you're a bivocational pastor, pastor, we admire you. You're not a nobody. You're noble. You're determined to get the word out. No matter. He goes on. uh, They'll be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Oh, ungrateful. How many people do you think will be thankful on Thanksgiving Day? Will it be about football or about things? Will it be about turkey or about Jesus? You know, just a day off of work, and I could drink Bud Light and cuss the team that's losing. Had nothing to do with Thanksgiving. Huh? Let's, let's come on. Smell the coffee. In our day, smell the weed. It's there, baby. It's there. Disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable. You can never end a fuss because they can't be appeased. Slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Mm-mm. I'll tell you, every time I go get my hair cut or something, they've always got People magazine. It is a nausea plus time. You see all these conceited, good-looking, terrible people. Don't, don't call any of them for me. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Aren't we the most entertained people that has ever lived in America? People don't come to church on Sunday night mainly because we're all being entertained. I mean, we've got basketball. We've got football. We've got talk. Why go to church? And then when you get to church, man, it was rather boring. There was no special effects. It was just the pastor. Well, that's an effect, all right. Uh, you can't compete. Young people, hey, I've been on video games all week. I've been watching virtual reality, this and that. And then you come to church and, man, this isn't as fun as shooting somebody. Or, you know, playing a video game. No. Because, see, here we're in a season 
And as I get ready to tell you about the future of the church, it gets better. You ought to be encouraged by the time we get away from this temporal scene. Is that uh, C.S. Lewis, I, I thought it was 1800, but it might be wrong. I don't, I'm, I'm afraid to quote the date when he said, English literature switched from facts to fiction. That he said, English literature used to always be true history, true facts, biography, wars, uh, the history. And then there was a point in literature where it switched to fiction. And no longer did it have to be true to capture the mind. Just can you tell a story? Can you, did this happen? Let me give you a good example. Hallmark Christmas movies. If I see one more, I, I mean, I, I've learned to just bow. Whoever saw any city as pretty as these cities, when every player is good looking without the need of dental work, I, I mean, it is absurd. I've never seen any place that lovely in all my life. And it's just like, here comes another woman. Man, she's stunning. I, I'm getting over being, thinking the other one's stunning. Here's another. Oh, this is my daughter. Oh, this is my granddaughter. Just recorded a new album that sold a million. You know, it's just ordinary people. I said, Carolyn, get out of fantasy land. That doesn't represent anything we know. I've never seen any of that. That was created in the mind of a Hallmark guy that's got you captivated, salivating at Christmas. If I could only move to Heartland. You live in Rodale, honey. You better get over it. But it, it becomes reality. Reality. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Here's, well, Santa Claus. Wait, wait. Did you know that your kids may think Santa's more real than Jesus? Because we don't have any Hollywood selling Jesus like that. Jesus really did come. Jesus really was born at Bethlehem. Jesus really is the Son of God. But I grew up on uh, illusion. I grew up on virtual reality. Uh, we actually have people here that go to Disneyland. Pray for their soul. <laughs> you know, but everything there is fantasy. It came out of Walt Disney's mind. I mean, a, a brilliant mind that could sell Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer better than we can do the gospel. And kids, oh, boy, if I take Rudolph away from him, you're ruining my kid's Christmas. Oh, I know, without Rudolph, it's just, you know, mine are over that. Just give me the gift. Why? How much do you believe fantasy? You know, uh, I know Spider-Man exists. I went to the movie and saw it. Don't tell me it doesn't exist. What is it? And so we're in an era of now when we're going to start talking about the future of the church and talking about heaven. And guess what? There are people that they don't think heaven's real. They, they labor under the influence of Plato. And he had a disciple named Philo who said that nothing can be physical in the future in heaven. It's all ethereal. It's all allegory. It's all made up because we're just going to be in spiritual bodies. Did you know we eat in the future? That we rule in the future? That there will be people in the future? There will be nations in the eternal city? There will be life? There will, 
It's not ethereal. It's not made up. We're going to look at it. It's real. Very, when's the last time you ha- heard a sermon on heaven? Let's say, let me ask you, uh, let's say six months. How many of you say it's been over six months? Okay, yeah, me, me too. I, I can't think of the last one I've heard. Why? We don't believe it exists. It is sad to think that there are so many who would believe science fiction before they would believe the truths of Scripture and what it says about our eternal state before Christ in heaven. Now, we've ended on a sober note. Much more to come next week as we continue our series, Why Church? And this is Truth For Today, the radio ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, and our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. Thank you for spending time with us today. As always, it is a pleasure and a delight studying God's Word with you that we might mutually grow in our love and admiration for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have questions about today's program, maybe you have a question about your own walk or relationship with the Lord, we would love to talk with you. No strings attached. Give us a call, and we'd be more than happy to answer any questions we can or pray with you. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. If you would rather write to us, here's our address, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, the zip code 94547. So again, you can reach us by phone, by mail, Or better yet, stop by our website and drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. You can find us at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. And then if you would like to join us here at Valley Bible Church for worship, Sunday services are at 9 and 11, and directions can be found at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-833. 9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.